All right. We're here for the 12-6 MMA podcast. Your host, Nigel Branch, Andre Branch, whatever I'm going by this week. I don't know. And I'm here with Anthony Mongoose Michael. We took a week off. Thanksgiving with the families. Decided not to uh, try to overstuff it, but did. Pun intended. That was a Thanksgiving joke right there. That's decent. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. You're not. It's your first joke. You're not on fire. Yet. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna cover uh, Tate versus Vieta. We're gonna cover Font versus Aldo. We're gonna talk Horiguchi versus Pettis. Um, and I think we're gonna start with the uh, the review. Obviously, we're a little far removed from the Tate versus Vieta card, but we were not here to cover it last week. So we're gonna go ahead and start with that. And first up, we're gonna cover uh, Yanez versus Grant. Um, easily the fight of the night. Uh, most people considered it a relatively boring card. Um, I, I'd like your take on this. I tend to not notice boring fight cards. I tend to not realize they're boring as they're happening until I read like MMA Twitter and everybody talks about how boring it is. But usually I'm just like, man, there's a lot of decisions tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you happen to find the card particularly boring? Do you happen to find fights particularly boring? There, it's very, very rare when I'm like, wow, this is a stinker because I'm usually so focused on what's going on that there has to really be nothing going on but guys circling around each other, not throwing for me to realize this is a bad fight. I mean, I think I can tell when it's, you know, quote-unquote boring, but I think I'm the same way. I'm so focused on what's happening each and every fight i break it down technique wise so much that it's overdone but um i kind of look for for guys personalities to come out that being said lately especially i've caught all the fights later on i've had to watch them afterwards so um you know i'm not with a crowd of people i'm not hearing any crowd i'm not i'm not even i also listen to the fights without any sound so i don't hear the corners very much unless i rewatch and then i turn you turn something back on but um yeah it's hard for me to say a lot of fights are boring and you get that a lot in like the boxing aspect but i think mma just has so many different things going on that mm-hmm. you know someone can go for a takedown at any moment someone can throw a spinning back fist at any moment you know there's a lot there's a lot to it so um i can kind of tell especially you know when you check on twitter yeah. terrible world to be in when you're you know but <laughs> um but yeah I, everything i watched was actually i liked um, good matchups, it seemed yeah, seemingly. It, it, a lot of submissions. It got the boring card. It got the boring card knock, but I didn't. Like I said, while I was watching it actively, I didn't find it extremely boring. Um, I, I'm all for a grappling match, though. So if, if people are grappling, then I'm automatically not realizing it's boring. Mm-hmm. I'm just so focused on what's going on that it's hard for me to pick that up. Um, so it's usually a fight like like in Ganu versus Lewis where dudes are just circling each other, not doing like anything, you know, yeah. like being tentative. That's when I can really tell that it's a boring fight when it's just Means the well. guys are scared to engage. But if, even if, you know, if they're pressed up against the cage and it's a clinch fight, something of that nature, I'm usually watching every nuance to the degree that I don't realize that the fight would is considered boring. Um, that said, Yanez and Grant was not boring. Um, Yana's got a chin on him, man. 
there were definitely points where I thought that he was in big trouble. Um, I think there were. I mean, yeah, he was getting clipped big time, big winging shots by Grant. Giannis has some great tight boxing, um, but Grant was like, "Fuck your technique." <laughs> he was everywhere, fucking, man. He was just winging bombs from odd angles and shit like that. Um, great fight. Yanez gets the decision. I've heard rumblings of a possible uh, O'Malley matchup if O'Malley gets through Piva. Pivia. I forget how to fucking pronounce With that. With Yanez? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that would be exciting. I, that'd be really exciting. Man. Yeah, Grant was everywhere. He was like a, he was like a, just a top the entire time. He was spinning. And he's, I don't know. That was crazy. Um, some of those... Some of that is so unorthodox. I don't think you can train for for that. There's, it's very hard to find training partners to replicate Grant. That was, you know, what a fight. Uh, Yanez O'Malley. O'Malley is one of those guys. I think that you can replicate a little bit more than Grant style, but he's still got some crazy stuff he's gonna throw at you. Um, I think that would be a fun fight for sure. I think the tight boxing of, of Yanez would be the story against O'Malley's kind of. He's got kind of like a more open, um, free, I mean, generally boxing. He definitely throws his kicks in there and has everything else. Um, but we'd have to see if, if O'Malley could keep him at length. Um, O'Malley also has awesome flying knees and, and everything on the inside, too. So it'd be, it'd be fun just to, just to watch those two go at it. I think it'd be very similar-ish, maybe, to this fight. And this fight was a blast, so... Yeah, it'd be a definite war. Some one of those guys have to have their chins hold up. Um, Yanez doesn't throw. It didn't seem like, to my memory, he was throwing shitloads of leg kicks or anything like that. Mm. And we've seen O'Malley obviously have issues with Vera in that department. Um, and otherwise, you haven't seen a lot to knock O'Malley on, so it would be interesting uh, because I think after this fight, you can definitely put a little bit of a knock on Yanez defense. Sure. Um, gosh, it seems like a lot of guys, more so than before, more so than I realized before, um, really use their chin as defense. You know, like just having a good chin as defense in and of itself, knowing that you can take that punch to dish one back out, you know, is a whole thing. Because you see lots of guys declare themselves the best boxer or are declared the best boxer in the UFC that get hit a lot. Yeah, like <laughs> you we know, spoke like, on uh, Holloway, you know, like yeah, yeah, lots and lots of damage. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. That's all, I think Jan is probably the best boxer in the UFC. I know that that's a big conversation right now. I don't know why it's a big conversation right now. Who specifically the best boxer is? Yo, who's the best kickboxer? That's because everybody knows that fucking Adesanya's got that one locked up. Yeah, <laughs> everyone so knows. Fun. Yeah, everyone knows who the best kickboxer is in MMA. So everyone's like, "Well, I can be the best boxer." Well, it's it's interesting too because, <clears throat> especially with these smaller guys, these thirty fivers, forty fivers, um, they're bouncing around the cage so much, and the volume of strikes thrown is, it's way more than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Holloway obviously is putting out a, a striking output. It's just ridiculous. But the guys at these weight classes, Jan, Jan included, are Jan is a little – he waits and takes his time. But in that fourth and fifth round, we've, we've seen it over and over. He's throwing big combos, and they're moving, and they're bouncing all around. So 
he's got a very very quality defense also absolutely he, you know he keeps himself in good he keeps himself at the right distance he's really good at controlling distance um and he's really good at just general defense you know when yeah. it comes to when it comes to keeping the hands high and everything like that i mean um, even checking always, kicks and everything I've, mm -hmm. it's it's hard to get quality shots on Jan. um we've seen it of course but mm -hmm. it doesn't come you know in bundles that's for sure not in bundles um quickly going just gonna glance over it um ronnie yaya still out there getting wins um, shout out to really, that man bro really good fight for him um talia santos looking like she could be the next big thing at women's flyweight just did what she wanted with joanne wood i didn't uh, watch that one unfortunately that's the only yeah, one she, i think i didn't watch on this card that was the only finish on the main card um absolutely like i said totally just had her way uh it was a beautiful performance especially because she came in as a late replacement um she was the i think the biggest favorite on the card maybe wow. so it wasn't unexpected but was still impressive yeah and then we've got michael chiesa versus sean brady um sean brady looked like he's got real real strong grappling i know he had spoken to the fact that he kind of faded late in the fight due to a broken nose and was just swallowing blood the entire fight. He broke his nose, I believe, in the first round. Um, man, it's really tough to see somebody make those minor mistakes multiple times when you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then they get out of that situation and do it again. And I think that Kiesa did that. I think Kiesa had a chance to stop this fight in the third round. And for some reason, decided he was going to start throwing knees in the clinch against the guy who only wanted to take him down, even though he was totally piecing him up with his hands. Um, his hands looked great in the third round. He looked like he was really taking care of business, and he got taken down twice on... Uh, going for knees from the tie clinch. It's always a bummer to see someone really trying to get their way back into a fight, and they make that kind of mistake twice. But I think that that's really, um, that's really what the issue was. Five round fight. I think Kiesa wins that fight. That I agree particular with that. fight. I don't know that. You know, I don't know that if they run it back, that that would be the case. But I do think that the way that the third round was going, um, it stands to reason that Kiesa was kind of surging and Brady kind of was kind of up, fading. Right? Yep, yep. And but like I said, I think a big a, a big part of that loss, obviously uh Brady was able to suffocate him with his grappling, great yeah. clinch work. Um uh, looked like a real strong dude in there. Also his back real is huge. strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. He looked like Kiesa was having troubles with that strength. Mm. But man, Kiesa's hands looked crisp in the third. And I think those those knees that he attempted from the tie clinch really uh, kind of fucked him in the sense that he really probably could have finished that fight if he just kept up the uh, the volume with his hands. I agree. I think this is something we've seen too many times with Kiesa. We're seeing him make those minor mistakes, not just within the fight, but like fight by fight. Kiesa's had he's had multiple fights where I'm rooting for him. I like. We've spoke on here many times that we both like him a lot, but I, I just feel like he's he's missing one piece of that puzzle. And at this point, he's a veteran. Um, how many how many times can we be like, oh man, it's not a big deal. Let's get back to work. 
at some point you got to take over the you, your future is in your hands at this point because these fights are winnable um i think he ended the fight in mount or on brady's back or, or, or something of the sort mm-hmm. and you know looking at it i think like you said brady seems super strong I liked his back tat, but his back is giant. I mean, <laughs> the guy is... A lot of room for that tattoo. That, yeah, plenty, plenty. Um, <laughs> I think at this point, Kiesa need, what I mean, how do you deal with Kiesa's next fight? Like, who do you give him? Because at this point, these are winnable fights. So how do you keep him kind of up in the air and in the middle of everything? And he's definitely in talks, you know, at, at near the top of the weight class, you know, ranked guy whatever it may be it's just at this point it's like come on man we got to get you over that over that hurdle how do we get over that hurdle and he's he got a lot fall, of decisions and he did fall six spots in the rankings Ugh. after this week yeah it was pretty oh. it was a pretty big draw or no he fell three spots excuse me brady came up six spots okay um, which is fair I, I can see that which i mean it's rough because he's Got some good wins under his belt, even recently, you know. Um, Magny's above him in the rankings, even though he beat him with the last little bit. But that's because Kiesa's dropped two straight. Yeah. Um, He's in that range where he's in in gatekeeper territory right now. That's kind of what I was getting at, I think. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to say he's a gatekeeper because I think we – I don't even think we've seen his full potential put out on display. I think he's better than what he's showing. I think he's fighting to his opponent's um, level a lot of times. Even if that's mid-round, he, I don't know if he's... I just want him to take over, you know? Like, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I can see it in him. We're waiting. And that's the thing is when he <clears throat> wins, he often does take over. It's sure. often, you know, he often wins in relatively dominant fashion where it looks like a mismatch, especially when he when he's on a roll with his offensive grappling, you're like, who's going to stop this guy? Mm-hmm. He, you know, when he can really get on a roll with his offensive grappling, his ability to control uh, quality opponents is impressive. Um, this was not a good matchup for him stylistically. And no. I think you get into that. You have that problem where guys in a three round fight don't necessarily have enough time to alter their game plan by the time round three rolls around, um, you kind of have to go for a finish at that point when you're in one of those matchups where you think your grappling is superior, for example. You realize over two rounds that's not the case. Now I've got to do something different. In a five-round fight, you've still got time to implement a new game plan. By the time that that third round rolls around and you realize it hasn't worked, you're kind of in trouble. Absolutely. Kiesa obviously kind of had that situation by the time he altered his game plan. Um, he was already in trouble and needed a finish. I'm wondering how Dariush versus Makachev is going to play out. Cause that's kind of got a similar, that's got a similar vibe to it sure. where those dudes are going to grapple and we're going to find out pretty fast who, which one of the two is the better grappler and then at that point the other guy is gonna have to fucking alter his game plan yeah um brady um he's he could fight a couple of people next hang on let me pull him up i think that i don't know who's who's booked right now i feel like magni might be but that wouldn't be a bad fight 
That'd be an interesting one. I would like to see how that plays out, given, I mean, Styles first off, um, but the way that this fight went and and how obviously Kiesa and Magni went, it'd be a fun one. Yeah, I know Bilal Muhammad. I think he's about to fight uh, Wonder Boy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's about to fight Wonder Boy. So I'm just looking at the rankings and kind of going off that. Chimaev's obviously out there. You could do Chimaev versus Brady. That would kind of be a good fight. That'd be an exciting one. Yeah. Um, but they're, I think they're trying to give Chimaev a bit of a bigger name right now. Yeah. Um, I like that they, they did make that fight, by the way. I'm glad that they, they got Chimaev and Derry. I mean, it feels like that's the perfect fight. See what happens. Makachev with the and rest Jerry-ish. of yeah, with the rest yeah. of everything that's that's going on, I think that's a that's the solid matchup. Yeah, we discussed it a couple of times and felt like it should be Gaethje versus the Oliveira Poirier winner, and then Makachev Dariush fight to fight the winner of that. I always like those setups, anyways, because you give yourself a small tournament feel. Yeah, you know, it's always like that four or eight man tournament they kind of got going on. That's I mean, I yeah, agree. yeah, I always like it when that type of thing happens, and I think it's perfect for that. Um, Dan Hooker took a test cut to go back to 45, said something along the lines of there's just not a, a path for him to become a contender at lightweight right now, uh, which I believe is true. Um, lots of exciting fights for him at 145. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he's just exciting. He can fight anybody. Yeah, it doesn't matter who <laughs> he fights. It's going to be it's gonna be must-watch shit. Um, he... I, if I could see anything next for him, it would be um, Hooker versus Korean Zombie. Give me that fight. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the, give me that fight. That's a payday Hooker for versus, us. Yeah, Hooker versus Korean Zombie would be a quality, fun fight. Um, Burns uh, or Brady, Sean Brady, to get back to that, I think Neil Magny would be, probably be a great matchup for him right now. I don't know if Magny's matched up with anybody. Or no, I can check. I'm checking. You got it? Yeah, I don't see anything. Last, I knew he was calling out Chimaev. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If- <clears throat> I think those three guys, <clears throat> you got to pick two and send it. Yeah. You could do Chimaev, Magni. You could do Brady, Magni. Or you could do Chimaev, Brady. All those fights are fun fights. Um, Chimaev, I think he really wants to jump. He really yeah. wants to push faster. I think he wants to be fighting for a title as soon as possible. So Sean Brady doesn't really do that for him. Magny yeah. doesn't really do that for him. Magny's got the bigger name probably just because he's been around for longer. Sure. Um, I'm sure he wants something like Edwards, Burns, or Luke. Or not Edwards, Burns, or Luke. Covington, Burns, or Luke. I don't know that that happens. Um, but it's real interesting to see what's going to happen with Shemaev next. Um, and Brady could really – you could slot him in over a couple of guys. I wouldn't mind – I think that after the third round, um, there are a couple of guys that are definitely bad matchups for Brady. Um, Leon Edwards, for example, he's out there right now. Could fight for a title next, um, but I think he would beat Sean Brady. Um, Covington – Burns. Most of the guys in the top five are going to beat Sean Brady at this point, given what I saw in the third round in, in that fight. Um, so giving him something like Magny would probably be the way to go. Yeah. I feel like uh, 
we've talked so much about these two divisions, welterweight and, and lightweight both, and there's so much going on in there. Um, I really like the idea of, like we said, getting these guys their play-ins, you know, hey, Shemayev, go fight Darius. Let's, let's figure this out. I think we're going to finally get some more cemented uh, rankings in that mm-hmm. sense here come 2022. It's a lot of fun seeing how crazy the divisions are and knowing, like, so-and-so could be so-and-so any moment, but, yeah, but so-and-so has, has so-and-so. But at the same time, I think you and I both have the same idea, same thing with the tournament idea. Let's get some, some real statistics. Let's see who's the best. And let's see who mm-hmm. can come up and surge in and, and who can take over and who can surprise us. Um, but it's all fun, man. It's, I love these two divisions. They have so much going on. And then we had the main event, Catlin Vieta versus Maisha Tate. Um, a couple takeaways from this one. One of the things that I think was really obvious right away um, was that Tate was slow. Tate I'm was so glad you said slow. This. Yeah, like Tate I said, was... I, I listen without sound, so I don't know if the announcer said anything that way. But she showed her age to me finally in this fight. Yeah, she <laughs> was definitely the slower one. Um, I think the only reason that the fight was as close as it was was because Vieta was gun shy for a while. Um, as the fight progressed and she got more comfortable in there, she got a lot better. Um, I don't think I think numbers wise, it seemed kind of close yeah um but i did it didn't feel close when i was watching it now who it did you like have i had vieta winning okay it. i, 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 I said like, before we started i was interested to see yours because i was keep seeing all the twitter the tweets pop up on screen they're mm-hmm. saying you know three to one and and three to one the other way and i was like is it really that close i definitely felt vieta took over pretty yeah i it was she had the you know the more crisp striking the more measured striking um, she got to work on her defense because Tate being as looking and seeming as slow as she seemed um, made the fact that she was able to connect as consistently mm-hmm. as she was. Uh, I, would, I would see that as discouraging uh, for, for Ketlin. Um But she was obviously the winner of this fight. I thought that it, they were they were they were not it wasn't a blowout. They were all close rounds, but I felt like Vieta was winning the rounds. I felt the same you way. Know, I felt like she had the know. stamps. Um, I think with the defense, maybe some more footwork. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, I feel like she stayed in the pocket and was and was waiting to... I mean, beautiful jab work, by the way. But I feel mm-hmm. like she was kind of staying there and waiting to, to, to put a jab down the pipe. And like you said, Misha was slow and very, very awkward striking. She's throwing a lot of weird overhands and... Mm-hmm. It was, it was amazing to me that Tate only shot for six takedowns. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured she was going to be more grappling heavy, but she seemed content to strike. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's always a dangerous game for a grappler when you feel like you are close to or winning rounds, so you kind of abandon what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that she did. Um, I, if she made this a grind, I think she could have won the fight. But she didn't seem interested in that. Now, granted, she didn't have very much success with takedowns, so it's possible that she got discouraged um, and just bailed on that early. But you're averaging, like, you know, one, you know, a little more than one takedown around. Um, probably could have done a little bit more than that in the grappling department 
and it would have played out a little bit better for her um, as opposed to staying at range most of the time. Yeah. Just kind of getting picked off. I, I feel like Ketlin, like, like I said, beautiful jab work, but man, she seemed way stronger too, right? Mm-hmm. She seemed like, I mean, she's definitely the bigger gal, but she seemed a lot stronger than Misha. Um, and she had good eyes. Uh, I don't think Misha had great shots, like great setups on shots or anything. I think she definitely could have mixed that in a little better with her striking. She started level changing finally, I think, in the third round a little more. Um, but great eyes by Ketlin, man. She 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 was stopping, you know, stop blocking with her forearms before Misha could even really get in inside anywhere and everything. So, you know, shout out to her. She looked good, and Misha's going to be a legend, so... You just you just had a great fight, and she spoke on that beforehand, I believe, saying, you know, mm-hmm. Misha's my biggest test yet, and I think she passed, man. I think she passed with flying colors. Yeah, I think the rounds are closer than they need to be because she was a little bit tentative. Mm-hmm. Um, once she opened up, it was pretty obvious who the better fighter was, but it took a little bit to get there. Where it was one of those situations where when she decided to engage, she was connecting on everything and looking great, but she just wasn't really throwing as much as she could have for a couple of rounds. Um, Tate probably outworked her by outpacing her in a yes. couple of those rounds, and that probably made it seem like it was a much closer fight. But, you know, it was obviously just Tate out there like a dog, you know, just working for it. Um, and Vieta just being able to, taking a little bit longer to get into the fight. Sure. I think, um, I think that's going to be someone I watch coming up is, is Vieta. I actually really liked... I really enjoyed that fight. I haven't watched much of her before this. I think we both said we haven't watched too much before before this, but um, that's a beautiful canvas for her at this point to really make some strong moves and, and do what she wants to do and hopefully move up in that weight class because that was I, – I was very surprised the rounds were that close, and I think it probably has something to do with what you're saying is the little, little bit of gun shy, a little better defense it needs to come. Um, she still got taken down, I think, twice, but they, I think one was off the cage. Um, that's someone I'm gonna, I am gonna. I look forward to watching. I loved that she had crispy technique, beautiful counter, check hooks. It was really fun, man. She's number five right now um, in the rankings. Uh, she's got losses to number six, actually. She jumped over Yana Kunitskaya, okay. uh, who she has a loss to, and then Irena Aldana. Um, who's up at number two. Okay. Um, hold on a second. How the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to look up the stats real okay. quick of the fight. I want to see the, the striking difference there. I was wondering, because she hasn't fought this year, I was like, how the hell is Holly Holm still up here? <laughs> oh man! But she does have she does have a win over Aldana last year. Okay. Um, home versus Vieta wouldn't be a bad fight. Aspen Lad called out Misha Tate. Uh, she wants that fight. Interesting. But it'll be interesting to see if they let her back down to one thirty five for it because she obviously lost weight yeah. or lost failed the weight cut last time. Um. But Vieta versus Ladd wouldn't be bad either. Tate versus Ladd is probably better because they're both coming off of a loss. Holly Holm, I don't know if she's scheduled to fight this year, if she's had injuries or what's happened. You know, I remember hearing something. I can't remember exactly what. 
but I, was it injury or maybe it was like a rough weight cut or something was going on? I know she wants to be active. Something was going on. Mm-hmm. I know I gave a lot of information there, so you're welcome, world. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't think she's scheduled for anything right now. Uh, so that Vieta fight wouldn't be bad. Um, I think Irina Aldana has probably done enough recently, at least in that division, to earn herself a title shot, even though her last loss was to home. Uh, it's, you got to get somebody new in front of uh, in front of Amanda at this point. Yes. So I think that they would be smart to put her up there, even though she's got that loss. Um her wins have been impressive, mm-hmm. you know, with a TK over Kunitskaya, KO over Vieta with that loss to home sandwich in between. Uh, she wouldn't be a bad person to put up there for a title fight, but nobody's beating Amanda still. <laughs> it, we can throw still... as many names as we want. I don't, until we see something new, I just, I don't see it. Yeah, it's, there's just nobody there yet. Not to say that there isn't anybody on the way. There's lots of talent in that division sure. um, that's still working their way to her. Sure. It just doesn't have the same amount of talent as, like, a uh, as like flyweight or strawweight especially. Strawweight, you can look back for a while and see future contenders. Um, Talia Santos, it'll be interesting to see her work her way up to a fight with Shevchenko. Uh, she jumped five spots in the rankings after her performance Over this Joanne. week. Nice. Yeah, she's the number five now. Um, Good for her, man. Jennifer Lamaya, Lauren Murphy, Caitlin Chukagian, Jessica Andrade all ahead of her. Um, she's probably one win away. I wouldn't blame them Especially for getting Especially over one of right those away. names. Yeah, Over-over. she's like 19-1, and one, so she's got a hell of a record. Um, but... Once again, tough seeing anybody beat Shevchenko. Just like it's tough, tough imagining that anybody beats Nunez. You know, it's rough, rough going in those divisions. Well, it's sure. either it's either got to happen or they or they get to the point where they retire, right? So mm-hmm. we saw this a lot back in the day when, uh, speaking of Aldo, um, Aldo Jones, we had such a very i think gsp was there it was such a stiff base of champions that it was like who's gonna beat gsp man who's gonna beat mm-hmm. john john who's gonna beat aldo so at some point we're gonna see something come along i would really and with yours and i's attitude and, and thought process it's like who's gonna do it who's gonna show me on paper where that you know where it happens but at some point we either are gonna see this or they, they they're gonna retire it almost is more interesting to me if Amanda retires and then the shakeup that happens in mm-hmm. both divisions after that, because then you have everybody like piranhas for the bantamweight and the featherweight title at that point. When Amanda retires, that featherweight, re- that featherweight title's retiring. I think with we're going to absolve it, right? I don't think. Yeah, yeah. That, that division's retiring with her. They, uh, you know, it's always rough for me when they say that there's just not enough talent in, in a division, because I always feel like there, there's always enough talent. It's just, how are you guys 
building that division? How are you guys trying to put these fights on? Yeah. Because you got to build people up. You know, you can't just wait for the prospects to be as good as they are. Um, you know, one... I feel like they're doing a better job with 125 now. They are trying to get some fresh faces in there. Sure. Um, but there's like a 145 fight like once every three months in women's featherweight. So I just don't think that they care to try to build that division much. Well, and at the same um, time, we watched them get rid of the, the men's flyweight division. But then they had... For like a week. Yeah. They basically cut everyone's contract. Everyone kind of went elsewhere. A lot of the guys went over to Japan and, mm -hmm. you know, they started going to these different... And now they just kind of bring people in when they're ready for them to, to put up a fight. The, the UFC roster for men's flyweight has to be so tiny right now, like actual contracted guys. But um, I wonder if that's yeah, what we'll see. At least see. they have a top 10, man. They don't have a top 10 for women's featherweight. See, I don't know. They don't even that's have crazy. featherweight. They don't even have women's featherweight rankings. Interesting. So, yeah, that's going to – I mean, that's going to go, yeah. Tough. Where do you go from there? Like as a as a female featherweight, what do you what do you do? You got to just prove it, man. You got to go out there and prove that people want to see you at this point. That's really all they've got yeah. because they're not trying to build the division from the ground up. We need uh, we need like five more Kayla Harrisons basically. Yeah. You know, we need people that are willing to make waves in other organizations. And that's tough because the only real organizations you've got for women's 145 right now are Invicta, Bellator, and the PFL. Bellator is going to be real tough to make a name in that division because you've got Cyborg over there. Yeah. So it's going to be really hard <clears throat> to build yourself up because they've got their own super fights that they can build towards uh, with a legitimate champion. PFL, it's kind of the same situation where you've got, you got these buzz saws at the top of the women's 145 division, um, and without getting them all together in one division, uh, we're at more of an MMA Wild West scenario with the way things used to be, where you just have to wonder, gosh, you know, what would it be like if these people all fought? Because that's, I mean, that's what it was like back in the day. You had Pride, you had Strike Force, you had the UFC. It was before the UFC had a real full grip over everything the way that they do now. Um, but women's 145 still has that feel to it, sure. where there are good matchups to be made, but they're few and far between. And the women's are the women that are capable of having these exciting matchups are spread out over a couple of promotions. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. Um... I think there's a lot of good girls out there. I think there's definitely some talent there. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't know where to go from there. Because PFL is not going to get rid of theirs, their roster. Mm -hmm. They're going to do their best yeah. to keep their roster, um, especially that tournament format that they have. Bellator, probably kind of the same idea overall, unless, unless UFC wants to make one of those big, crazy trades, you know, with Demetrius, some kind of trade thing or buy a contract out. To bring somebody in and i just don't think they care to do that because they don't even have a top 10 so mm -hmm. yeah might be gone so we've also got this week horiguchi versus sergio pettis that's an exciting one horiguchi the ryzen bantamweight champion former bellator bantamweight champion relinquished that title due to an injury so many uh pettis included consider him the rightful champ um, Sergio has looked great over his last handful of fights. 
Um, Horiguchi is going off as the favorite in this fight, and rightfully so. I believe he is one of the best bantamweights on the planet. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Um, I've got him taking the win in this one. It's probably going to be a really exciting fight, though. Uh, minus 165 to 185 range for Horiguchi. Uh, plus 145 to 155 for Pettis in most books. Um, you know, Pettis has got, a, you know, he he's doing great in Bellator. Um, but he didn't necessarily leave the UFC on the best winning streak. Mm-hmm. Granted, he was fighting monsters. Early. Uh, losses, in, <clears throat> losses in three of his last five fights to Cejudo, uh, Juicier Formiga, and Rob Font, who we'll talk about later. Um, he has run the table in Bellator, though, uh, with wins over Kashyyyk and Bendejas and Juan Archuleta to finally win the title. Um, Horiguchi's probably just a little bit much. He's really one of the best fighters on the planet right now, bar none. Um, you know, the one time he has lost in recent memory, he avenged it convincingly uh, in that Kaya Sakura fight. Yeah. It's just hard to see... You know, it's hard to see um, a way that Sergio could take this one, in my opinion. I really don't. I don't. I just don't have a path to victory for Sergio in this one. Unless he brings something to the table that just we haven't seen out of him yet. Um, I feel like, as as well, I feel Kyoji is one of the best fighters on the planet. Uh, I can tell you firsthand, he is one of the strongest pound for pound guys. I've this guy is a little brick shit house. Um, I think he's better pretty much everywhere. I would give him an edge on pretty much everything. Uh, I just don't have anything for Sergio, and I hope it's exciting. I hope it's it's. This is a fan favorite fight, ready to be set, and I think we could see something out of Sergio that gives us like maybe a questionable decision at best um it's gonna be it's gonna have to be one of those things where he hits a new level that we didn't know about yes and you see you do see that sometimes we're like oh he's capable of this Mm -hmm. you know where you're just like holy shit you didn't know that they could turn that gear on um but horiguchi's a totally different beast i mean the ufc we've been we've talked about it a number of times the ufc should never let him walk (laughs) <laughs> that, yeah, I mean that I, was gonna be, cause he lost to DJ and then left, right? He lost. No, he won three more fights after the loss to DJ. DJ, yeah. DJ was his only loss in the UFC. And then he went to Ryzen. Yeah. I feel like um. I feel like that could have been one of Demetrius's guys that. You know, gave him like Cejudo was kind of gave him gave him another the push. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Kyoji came to came Ryzen. I think you know what? Maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong. Ryzen, I think, gave Kyoji the perfect path to to build the skills he needed, um, fight the guys, get the good confidence rolling, get all of his gears in work. Um, you know, well oiled. So he's become a different machine. Than he was when was that? That was 2015. He's become a completely different machine since then. Um, I think then he was just a karate guy overall. Um, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, Sergio, we know what Sergio brings to the table. Um, great grappling. Uh, he's at Rufus Sport. He's got great kickboxing. He's fun. He's got a lot of He's got good cardio, so I, I, there's not, I don't think there's like a ton of questions here outside of can Sergio step up? Can we see that new level? Can he bring? Maybe Kyoji can bring the best out of him. Even, um, not to say I, I don't like Sergio or I don't, I have never seen him fail. Uh, the guy is just. This is a tough one for me because I love Sergio Pettis, but I just don't see a path to victory. It's so hard for him. Fumbling words, even trying to think about a way for him to win. It's, you know, maybe he can sneak a good punch in that we see Kyoji go out, but Kyoji doesn't really get hit hard um, outside of uh, Asakura. The I think. Asakura. And, and like you said, he came right back and showed, well, it wasn't a fluke, but it's a fluke, you know? Yeah. It would be interesting to see if Bellator can, or Ryzen can make a one championship matchup happen, uh, considering that um john lenecker and bibiano fernandez are fighting on the same card mm. not the same card but the same night um that one championship the bantamweight championship is up for grabs um i think that'd be interesting i don't sure. know if they've done cross they've done a crossover with ryzen before i believe i could be wrong i think kyoji did a crossover with them no yeah I, was that bellator you did the crossover with yeah, that was Bellator. Okay. I th I feel like someone did a crossover. I could be wrong. But that would still be exciting. I would love to see the winner of the one championship belt um, of that fight fight the winner of Horiguchi and That'd be Pettis. Fun. Particularly if Horiguchi wins because then he's holding two belts. It'd be interesting to see somebody hold three belts from three major MMA promotions. Um, and to see how the UFC responds to that. Yeah. They're not going to back up the truck for the guy, I feel like. No. Which is a shame. It's a real bummer that it's become as much about your ability to be a star, so to speak, um, as it is to just be the best. Because the bottom line is that he should be, you know, he should be in the UFC fighting the best bantamweights in the world. But I don't see it happening. Um, I think he's pretty content. He's probably content fighting, you know, fighting in Japan and Bellator. Dude, he's a hero. He's not like, there, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and people we in America, we kind of lose sight of the fact that you can be a complete star in another country. Yeah. And you don't necessarily feel the need to do that same thing in the United States. Because I think that especially if he man, if they manage to get that type of matchup set up, he could make an argument for being the best bantamweight on the planet without a doubt. Sure. Um, it will be interesting to see if something like that were to happen and see the UFC's response. You're right. I will say that given the history and given everything going on with Kyoji, they might be willing to do... I mean, look at the Michael Chandler thing. Michael Chandler came over. He obviously is making... Um, making his own statement and saying, hey, I belong with the best in the world. And I think that Chandler is going to go, is, is kind of breaking, breaking a barrier that we've needed to break for a while because everyone else who's come from Bellator is kind of stuck in the middle. Um, they don't get those. I mean, he got a title shot, I think, in his second fight, um, mm -hmm. which is great, man. And, and I think he belongs up there, absolutely. 
Kyoji, especially if he were to hold those three titles, I don't know how you could bring him in to fight the guys you have in there now. Um, it, it And it only helps, I think, everybody in that sense. I think the UFC mm-hmm. has a lot to gain from that. Like, hey, Kyoji wins. Listen, this guy, they built him up. This guy has three titles. We, we, we don't question his, his talent. If their guy wins, hey, this guy had three titles. Hey, UFC, we're the best. We're, we, this is the statement we're making. We, we are the best. So I don't think there's really a, a big loser there, and I think there's a lot of money to be made. And I think UFC mm-hmm. does really well over in Japan if they put Kyoji in a UFC fight again. Mm-hmm. So just to wrap this one up, I kind of want to do an interesting, uh, an interesting exercise here. I'm just going to go ahead and list off the top ten. And you're going to tell me whether you think Kyoji wins or loses these fights. Ooh, all right. So we got Dominic Cruz at number 10. I think Kyoji wins that one. Marlon Marais at number 9. I think Kyoji wins that one. Then we've got Pedro Munoz at 8. Man, that's a tough one, too. Um... Wow, that'd be a close fight. Uh, I'm stumped. I will. I'll take. I'll. I'll take Kyoji. So then we've got Cody Garbrandt at seven. I think he beats Cody. Styled man. Marab Dvalishvili. At six. Marab's a dog. Shit. Yeah. I think Kyoji's a grinder, man. I, I take. I take Kyoji. Jose Aldo versus Kyoji. Shit. That's a tough one. <laughs> Let's take Kyoji for argument's sake. We'll take Kyoji. For argument's sake. So what? That's, sake. that's, that's, right, that's so six? That's, that's the t- yeah. You're, so Jose is number five right now. Okay, okay. Then you got Rob Font right there above him. Again, for argument's sake, we'll, we'll take Kyoji. Kyoji beats, beats the main event here, all right? All right, so Corey Sandhagen is where we're at now. That's a big man. It's a tall dude. I think that's Kyoji's <laughs> probably definite first very, very questionable one for sure. I'll, I'll, we'll take Corey. See, the funny thing is, I didn't. It really put it into perspective for me exactly how big Corey was when I saw on MMA Twitter, they lined him up next to fucking Daniel Cormier because they're both the same height. Oh God, dude! <laughs> he makes thirty five. That's insane. I mean, Cormier is yeah. always a little chunkier on on you know, but still, <laughs> dude, holy shit! Uh, Dillashaw versus Horiguchi. I think, I, I think, due to style, Kyoji wins that fight. You think he's got a better chance against Dillashaw than Sandhagen? We've seen what happens with the bigger guy, I think. And that's why Pedro's kind of a tough one, too, because Pedro may not be a giant, but he's compact. That guy is, mm-hmm. and he hits hard. So I do think he beats, I think, Dillashaw, yeah, just size-wise. Sandhagen can... If he can use his length, right, that's going to be the fight, I think, would be the Sanhagen-Kyoji, the length thing. And Kyoji is so mm-hmm. fast. 
Um, it'd have to be kind of getting underneath him, working maybe some wrestling, mixing in the striking with the, you know, failed takedown. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think he takes Dillashaw. I also really don't you- love Dillashaw much so anymore. So <laughs> that might be a piece of my brain just going, eh. And then you've got Kyoji versus Piotr Jan. Oh, that's a fight. That's a fight. Let's go. Uh, who do I see winning that? The fans? Fuck. <laughs> uh, after what I've seen out of Jan lately, I'll take Jan, but I also am very interested to see how Kyoji handles this fight. So, And then Sterling, Aljamain Sterling. It's not a bad taste thing, and I'm just going to take Kyoji off rip. <laughs> uh, I think Sterling would have a decent grappling setup for that, you know. Um, but I think Kyoji's so damn fast. He's so fast. I think he just outspeeds Aljamain and stops his takedowns. And I don't think he's. I think he's dead in the water at that point. I'm surprised Sterling is still the damn champion, given everything that's going on and the injury. I think he just had surgery recently. Next surgery? Yeah, next surgery. So yeah. I think I don't think he's gonna be champion long, man. I really don't. I think that's kinda Jan's belt in my like in most maybe not right now. But yeah, but you know, moving forward I think I don't think he just keep I just don't think he can keep that belt too long. No, not after that's another one where when they run that back he's gonna have to show another level. Sure. He's gonna have to show another level because it was fairly it didn't look it it looks less one-sided on paper than it was but the fact that he went like oh for fucking 15 or something like that on takedowns that's going to be tough and that's that good <laughs> defense for Ayan too right because mm-hmm. we talk about the striking defense a lot but really that grappling defense is beautiful too mm-hmm. and then last we got rob font jose aldo facing off um, font has been on an absolute tear uh, Sergio Pettis, Ricky Simone, Marlon Moraes, Cody Garbrandt, just running through people. Not running through them, but winning convincingly um, up against Jose Aldo, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, featherweights of all time. Um, for my money, Jose is the best featherweight of all time. I love yeah. Max. Max is obviously the better fighter at this point in their careers, but... Um, I tend to put a lot of stock in uh, the length of your title run. Um, People were calling Max the greatest featherweight of all time immediately upon beating Jose Aldo. I remember that. Immediately they were saying that he was the greatest featherweight of all time. And that stuck. That didn't stick with me because, like, if that's the case, then Connor was the best featherweight of all time right before that. Yeah. You know, and, and Connor beat you know no matter how long ago it was connor beat both of those guys sure so you can't base it off of anything but the length of the reign and in my opinion and there was a period of time where that division was his and his alone and we haven't seen that we didn't see that from max i think max i think that usman has a better claim at being the best welterweight of all time than Max has at being the best featherweight of all time. Yeah. I yeah. 
I, I can. And I, can I roll still with that think idea. GSP is the best. I still think GSP is the best welterweight of all time. I think at this point, I'm just saying, GSP and mm-hmm. Aldo are pretty. You know, that's what I was mentioning with the cemented champions we had for a while. Aldo didn't lose for like how many years was that man on top? I mean, from the time he won the WEC featherweight title to the time he lost the uh, the UFC featherweight title was six years and there's a lot of fights in there yeah so i think um no i agree 100 to reign over a division for six years can't be discounted and when you finally run into better competition and it was a scary reign man he was that uh who was it when he got he landed the knee as they were coming forward the cub swans swans that was one of the most i remember watching that i was a I had actually fought that night, so I didn't get to watch the card. I fought that night, and uh, I think I won, like, an amateur title or something, and I felt on top of the world. I remember going home and watching the the replays and everything of, of that fight, and I just remember being like, I never want to fight that guy. I ever want to. <laughs> like, I'm young. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, I'm getting... Are you kidding me? Did you see that? That was just, it was one of the craziest knockouts I've seen. Still, really. And since, I mean, like I said, that he, and Max went on an amazing run himself, mm. but not as a title, not as a title holder. And he's still he, on, his, on his cool run, but I agree. Yeah, oh, he's still on an amazing run. But, you know, he's got a, he's got a handful of losses whether you agree with them or not um his title run was not that long he only defended his title twice yeah before losing it or before losing excuse me he defended it three times he lost to dustin poirier in the middle trying to step step up to lightweight i think the only reason that jose aldo wasn't a lightweight and featherweight champion at the same time is because they wouldn't let him try yeah and he wanted to so you know you could look at it as, oh, but Max moved up. Jose wanted to move up. The UFC wouldn't let him. Sure. He wanted to try to fight for the lightweight title, and um, he did beat Frankie Edgar, so it stands mm-hmm. to reason that he would have beat Frankie Edgar when he wanted to move up and fight for that title. Um, so I think that there, you know, I think that it's hard to put it on him to put forward the fact that Max is the best featherweight of all time given he's kind of got some kryptonite going on with Volkanovski. If he loses that third fight to Volkanovski, that's a tough call. Then you got to start looking at Volkanovski as the best of all time. He doesn't get a lot of conver- he doesn't get a lot of leeway in that conversation, but he's doing as much in my opinion to warrant that as Max is. He's holding off guys that the guy right max is the guy at that point mm-hmm. um he's holding them off and he did it twice given do we agree with both do we agree with either it doesn't you know at this point it doesn't exactly matter he just put a the fight against ortega was great it was fun to watch mm-hmm. it was a blast um yeah it's going to be interesting to see like we already spoke about the, that kind of there's only a, a handful of guys up there that they can even really put with Volk and everything, but um, I heard I think they're doing Max Volk three, 
I think they mm-hmm. talked about it or are at least in the works of booking some some booking it. Um, it will be interesting to see if if Max goes out and wins, especially if Max can somehow find a finish. I think we can put him kind of in the talk a little more, but even then, I, I still yeah. agree with the the Aldo. Mm-hmm. That was a it's, that was a rain. It's going to be tough to finish. I mean, it's going to be tough to finish him. The guy. I mean, he's got one TKO loss to his credit. Yeah. Back, you know, back when he was in his fourth fight, mm. Volkanovski. So it's he's got a chin. Yeah. He can he can take a punch. Um, I think that's part of the reason why he's such a bad matchup for Max is because he can match him on a technical level. He can match him on an output level. And uh, he's able to work his game plan a little bit better than Max has. I do think that Max won that split decision. I felt like Max won that fight, but it wasn't a robbery in my opinion. It was close enough that you could have warranted Volkanovski winning the fight. But the the key there is he beat him over 10 rounds. Mm. You know, that's a hell of a lot of time to spend in the cage with someone and to outpoint them over that time. Um, it's hard, like, without a finish even, saying that Max... In the, they could just hold up the division with that one because you could... You'd have to run a fourth one right after that, right? Maybe. It's, it's That's scary. But, that, you know, honestly, that gives other guys time, too, because we, we spoke on, mm-hmm. you know... Still got to be a little bit of development there. Another thing, yeah. Max has decisions in the last of his six fights. So since April of 2019... He doesn't have a finish. Um, two of those given were, were the Volk fights. That was unanimous and split decisions. One was against Frankie Edgar, who we just now saw get finished for, you know, recently get finished for, for his first times. Um, the last two fights he had were Calvin and Yair. Those are both fight of the nights. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can, like, really put a stamp on. Maybe just go for broke. Like, this is your kryptonite. Like, go for broke. Fuck that output at this point. Go for a crazy submission. Uh, I don't know. Double down on the output and just swing away. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there, but as you said, that split decision definitely could have went either way. Mm. I don't know if you have to change a lot, but we have to see a stamp out of you. We have to see that you won, you know? I'm going to have to go back and watch both of those fights again just to get a fresh memory, but, like, just on paper... Um, I might pick Volkanovski in the third fight just because of the fact that um, he's able to work in those leg kicks great. Max will would not check a fucking leg kick to save his life. He's on that fucking I feel like that might not change. I really do. I feel like that might not change. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that he's there to absorb all those strikes. If you're not going to put someone out, you're going to absorb all of those strikes the way that Max is prone to doing and you've got a guy that can almost match you on striking output, mm-hmm. I think Volk is just that kind of bad matchup for Max, possibly. Very possible. Um, but that gets entirely away from the actual conversation here, which is Jose Aldo versus Rob Font. Um, Jose has been kind of on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, obviously, he lost that Jan fight. Same situation. I was watching that Marlon Marais fight live. Um, I did not think Marlon Marais won that. I still wasn't totally stoked about them putting him in there with Jan coming off of a loss. Um, But, man, Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz, 
you know, outside of the very, very best that a division has to offer, Jose still got it. Jose is going off as an underdog here. Um, but Jose is one of my all-time favorites. I have trouble picking against him. It's a real close, close fight. Um, 145 plus 125. So he's in that plus 120 to plus 130 range. Um, I would take Aldo over Font. If I was betting, be- I'd probably do the same. Um, yeah. But I don't want to take anything away from Font because Font stamped his win against Marlon with the TKO. He's on a he's on a tear right now. He's yeah. I think that's the one thing is if you're looking at common opponents, he's got a TKO over Marais whereas Jose lost a split decision. Um but man, like I said, Ricky Simone, Sergio Pettis, Cody Garbrandt, Marlon Marais, that's a hell of a run right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Um but at the same time, if you're gonna, you know, if we're gonna do the commonality in matchups, he's got an L to Pedro Munoz. Sure. So I think it's probably, it's probably obviously gonna be a pretty close fight. Um, is it's five rounds, of course. I I see this one going to Aldo. I think maybe that's just hoping that Aldo still got it in him because he's still, I mean, he's only thirty four or something like that, right? I think they're both. About the same age, 35. Right? Yeah, they're about the same age. Aldo's got the miles on him, though. And I think Aldo um, has a little more. But Font does as well. <clears throat> but he's looked great in his last couple of fights. The only guys that he comes up short against are the tippy top of the division. Sure. Marais was also his bantamweight debut, so you got to take that for something. It's his first time cutting to 135. Um, the first time he fought Marais. Um, I'm just picking Jose here. I'm not going to act like it's not biased. Jose is one of my favorites. He's been one of my favorites his whole career. Um, and I think he's still got something in him. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to be champion again. I doubt he's going to be champion again. We already saw him fight Jan, and that did not go well. I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't going terribly before Jose gassed. Yeah. And I think that's kind of been a, an issue of his recently is there's a different Jose – in the last couple rounds than there are in the first couple rounds. And at bantamweight, that's tough to get that cardio back when you're cutting more weight than you've ever cut before. Because at one point, we were wondering how the hell Jose was making 145. Everybody imagined he was going to go up to 155, and he went down to 135. And he hasn't missed weight yet, and he's looked great there, but that's still got to take something away from you. Absolutely. Um, I think the cardio late... Like you said, it's a five-round fight. It, it could definitely be an issue. But Rob isn't exactly the guy to put a put an output on you that's going to slow you down entirely, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not taking any way, anything away from him. I'm not saying he doesn't have a high output. I'm just saying I don't think he's the guy to completely gas. He's not going to weaponize the pace of the sure. fight. And so... It will be interesting to see kind of I, – I could see like us sharing a round-by-round round, Aldo got one, Font got one. You know, I could see it going very much like that. I don't know if both of them are so good at stopping the pace of the other guy as well. They Not so much controlling, but stop uh, interrupting rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it could be just a tug of war, really. Um, 
but I see the the later this fight goes, I think it favors Font. Um, those early rounds, I could see Aldo being very crisp, very you know um, confident in his technique, or especially early on. So it'll be cool to also see. Also, one of the also one of the best boxers in the UFC for what that's worth. Everybody likes to talk about that one. Um, man, Jose's body work. Mm. His work to the body is always fun to watch. The way he throws body shots is always just absolutely beautiful. Um, but I think I I don't think anybody's getting finished in this one. I imagine it's going five rounds Tom personally, Fiona. and I'm taking Jose by decision here. Um, and I mean Munoz is great, or not, excuse me, not Munoz, but um. Font's great. His only losses have been to Munoz, Asun Sal, and John Lineker in the UFC, and those are all great guys. Great John shouldn't. I don't. I don't know how John ended up out of the UFC. He should probably still be around. He didn't deserve to get dropped when he did. The UFC just doesn't put as much stock in the lighter weight fighters as they should, really. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's such an exciting division. It's fun. So, I think that. The winner of Aldo Font might fight the winner of Jan and Sterling. I could definitely see it. I think it. it's possible. I could definitely see it. Especially if Font wins. If Font Such wins, I think there. he's um You know what? Let me let me pump let me pump the brakes. Dillashaw is out on an injury right now. Yes. When Dillashaw comes back, um depending on what's scheduled Font and Dillashaw could fight to solidify that number one contender fight. Um, Jose Aldo versus TJ Dillashaw would be a dream fight. That'd be a fun one to watch no matter what. Lots of exciting matchups um, at bantamweight right now. I don't know who they've got Marab going up against. Garbrandt dropped down to flyweight. He's fighting Kai Kara France, I think. Yep. Yeah, so there's lots lots going on at bantamweight. Um that we just kind of got to wait and see how it shakes out. Yeah, now that I'm um, looking, I think you could pretty much match any of these guys. You know, we put a lot of uh, talk on the, sorry, the featherweight and the um, lightweight, and or not featherweight, sorry, lightweight and welterweight matchups where it could kind of be whatever. Anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of one of those divisions that kind of has the same like feel to it, really. The top 15 are all studs. Mm-hmm. You got Cruz and Munoz matched up. Which should right show now. us something, right? We have It'll all show us whether fun. Cruz needs to retire or not. <sighs> hey, man, I've, I've already... I think it was... He, he might not be past time, but I just don't think he's going to be able to, to fight with these, these top dogs again, man. And that, it's sad... Those injuries, man, they just hurt him so much and uh, sad. They took away so many years of his career. Especially prime years, man. But um, Mm -hmm. and he hasn't looked bad since coming back. He looks good. Especially you're still top ten in the world, you know, like Mm -hmm. or at least you know top fifteen in the entire world. Yeah, it's just like what do you with a guy like Cruz, where you've got a broadcasting career alongside of it you've got an easy transition to make out of the fight world it really just comes down to what do you want to do what do you want to be remembered for what do you want to be known for um because Cruz could easily still sit in the top 15 for the next five years 
but do you want to be the best in the world or do you want to just keep fighting do you just have a passion for fighting you know those are de those are decisions you got to make he's got to kind of have to make with his family and everything like that um for what it's worth if he loses especially convincingly i wouldn't mind seeing him just hanging up and stick to broadcasting because it's not i don't think it's going to be as fun watching um Cruz fight young up-and-comers i don't want to see know, him take that in Faber the next route. couple of years you know Faber yeah. was kind of fighting all those guys and it and then my heart roots for him and then you know it shows me why he's he's fighting those guys on prelim cards so i agree and i think Cruz is an amazing broadcaster too to be honest i think He's yeah. very talented and, and has a knack for, I mean, clearly whatever he does, he's he's good at everything he does. And I think broadcasting might be the way, but I don't want to take anything from him at all. Um, and at the same time, I think he could still hang with, with this entire roster. Uh, I just don't see him kind of becoming that champion again. Although I will say, stylistically, I can see Cruz beating Sterling. Uh I don't know. Maybe I just I don't put a lot of weight on Sterling. I think. Well, stylistic stylistically, he could have beat Cejudo, but he didn't. Yeah, true, <laughs> true, true, true. So yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's That's cool. The division, problem though, with the guy like Cruz is not so knockout power doesn't go anywhere, but speed does, yeah. and a lot of Cruz's game was built on speed and footwork. And, and when yeah, when that starts to go, you're in trouble. Sure. Um. Sterling doesn't get enough credit. No, he doesn't. Y'all are hard on I him. I am. I am really hard on him. The way he snatched up fucking... The way he snatched up Sandhagen. I didn't like the way he won the belt. I get why um, he did what he did. And I don't I don't really want to hold that against him. But I don't really like even like his... His personalities... Uh, his personality on it and everything. Um, I think that he needed to... I think just own it. Be like, hey, man, I gotta title. You know, <laughs> just own it. I think he needed. I think he needed to go full. He needed to go a little bit harder the heel route. Agreed. Just like Colby should have known after that last fight. Now's the time to be to turn face in wrestling terms. Now's the time that the audience will embrace me if I just be myself and be honest. I don't have to do this shtick anymore. I think it was the opposite for Sterling where he needed to just push into it in a Chael Sonnen type of way. I am the champion. I beat him. You know, he need, you know, he needed to fully just fucking roll with Agreed. it. And he was too he was too on the fence about and it. And you called it. You called it on the Colby situation because you said, "Hey, this is the time. This is your time to turn the tide and you you'll you'll be beloved," right? Did mm -hmm. you see the comment finally that they came out with of what he said after the fight? Yeah, yeah. He's what he what was the what was the the quote? It was He said I'm just selling the you, fight. You know for I'm just you trying to sell it like for that. you. It's all love. It's all, yeah. love. it's all love. I'm just trying I'm just trying to sell it for <laughs> you. Yeah. You called it, man. That was exactly we all what know. we <laughs> We all know that he's just selling the fights and stuff sure. like that. But there's a you know, you can pull back and you can gain some fan support. He would have gained, you know, like people like me. He would have gained fan support from people like me who I've never been one that tunes in to watch someone lose. If I really don't like someone, yeah. then I'm not interested in watching their fight. Same. You know, if I don't like them from a personality standpoint, I'm not one of those people that's like, I'm watching just because I want to see this guy get knocked out because then you're going to get disappointed when he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but Colby's one of those guys that he probably could have made a fan out of me that night by 
flipping it over. That's why I was such a big fan of Chael Sonnen, because he would talk all of this shit. He would have his moments of humility in defeat, yes. and then a week or two later, he would turn the shtick back on and pretend like he didn't just lose. That's what you need to he do. He still does that in you broadcasting. Know? He He's amazing yes, at I it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's what you need to do. You need those moments of humility. You need to be humble at the press conference after you lost, the same way we saw you in the cage after you lost, to not come back and act like you won all of these rounds and stuff like that. But he just doesn't have the the same kind of touch. Yeah. He doesn't have the same kind of touch and knowledge of character work that he should. Missing it a little Because bit. he could have really gotten himself over big time. I agree. But that's going to be it for us. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, we'll see how the fights go this weekend. Talk about them next week. We've got UFC 269 coming up next weekend. Uh, that'll give us an insane amount to talk about. So we'll have to be a little bit brief in our review because I'm <laughs> sure next week we're going to run a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, top to bottom, that whole main card, we're going to end up talking about every single one of those fights. You got Oliveira Poirier, Nunez Pena, Jeff Neal versus Ponzinibbio, Kai Kara France versus Cody Garbrandt, uh, Raulian Paiva versus Sean O'Malley. You got Josh Emmett, Dan Ige, Pedro Munoz, Dominic Cruz, Augusto Sakai, and Tai Tuivasa. Crazy, my head. crazy fucking card. Crazy card. So um, excited for that one. That one's going to get a little bit of extra time, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, gosh, you know, like that card is just nuts. You've even got names like, you know, Miranda Maverick, uh, Ryan Hall on the early prelims. So tons and tons of stuff for that one. Uh, that's going to go ahead and do it for the 12-6 MMA podcast this week. We appreciate you guys coming out.